shareholders were given more of a voice than ever in corporate climate discussions this year, thanks to the Sound Climate campaign. It was the first time that Starboard lost a proxy fight since 2012, so in almost over a decade. So there's certainly a risk in these types of situations that the activist overplays the import of these votes. Welcome to the Activist Insight podcast, where today we will be discussing our proxy voting annual review 2021. I'm Kieran Paul, and in the past few months, my colleagues at Proxy Insight have incorporated nearly 25 million votes cast during the 2021 proxy season into our database, providing a comprehensive snapshot of how institutional investors voted on agenda items as broad as director elections, executive compensation, shareholder proposals and proxy contests. With more investors seeking to influence corporate behaviour through the ballot, proxy voting has never been more crucial. New issues rose in importance and old tools were repurposed for new ends. The result was a proxy season to remember. For shareholder proponents, a reminder of why they do what they do. And for issuers, it was a warning of what is potentially to come. You can get your free copy of the Proxy Voting Annual Review 2021 by visiting the reports page on proxyinsight.com. As always, though, we've also provided a link in the show description on whatever platform you're using. So joining me today is Kylie Cafet and Derek Zaber, partners at Sidley Austin and co-chairs of its shareholder activism practice. In the last five years, Kai has been involved in over 80 proxy contests, and that's more than any other defence attorney in the world. So we're in good company. But first, we'll hear from the report editor, Rebecca Sherritt. Hi, Kieran. Happy to be here. So it's a very busy time for Proxy Insights at the moment, and this is a very special report. Yes, it certainly is. Proxy Voting Review provides readers with an in-depth analysis of the 2021 proxy season, which was a record-breaking season in many respects. Building upon the data we released back in September as part of our proxy voting season snapshot, as well as the more than 24.9 million votes imported onto the Proxy Insight Online module from the 2021 proxy season, the report examines various voting trends and engagement strategies of institutional investors in the recent proxy season on topics ranging from climate change, board diversity, and executive remuneration, to name but a few. What makes the report more insightful is its international focus, featuring data and analysis of not just US proxy voting trends, but also voting behaviour of leading investors in Europe and the Asia-Pacific, offering our readers something truly global and comprehensive. And as you mentioned, Rebecca, the 2021 proxy season experienced record-breaking support for both environmental and social shareholder proposals. How does the report analyse this? Yeah, shareholders were given more of a voice than ever in corporate climate discussions this year, thanks to the Say on Climate campaign. This initiative, founded by the Children's Investment Fund Foundation, seeks to provide shareholders with an annual advisory vote on a company's climate transition plan. The campaign quickly gained international attention, 
after the first say on climate vote won 98% support at Spanish airline AENA's 2020 annual meeting. Shareholders were quick to file more requests for other companies to provide this sort of disclosure. What gave this campaign even more notoriety was that several companies voluntarily provided shareholders with annual votes on their climate transition plans. For the first time, companies were actively giving shareholders the opportunity to have their say on decarbonisation strategies, and companies were given the ability to prove if they are indeed taking sufficient action on this issue. And shareholder proposals weren't the only way in which shareholders held companies accountable for climate change either, were they? They certainly weren't. Engine Number One's proxy contest at ExxonMobil also made waves as one of the first activist campaigns with an environmental lens. The campaign, which focused on how the oil major was driving environmental destruction and failing to adequately oversee climate risk, won the favour of institutional investors, resulting in the appointment of three of the four dissident nominees to Exxon's board. This campaign served to highlight how seriously investors were now taking climate risk, proving that laggards will be held accountable by their investors. And naturally, COVID-19 played its part as well in shaping this proxy season. COVID-19 was very much a double-edged sword in that it meant shareholders placed additional scrutiny on executive pay packages while also placing heightened attention on issues such as human rights and worker protections. Many executive compensation structures came under fire for retroactively adjusting performance targets, meaning awards that otherwise would have elapsed were granted to executives, despite executives having technically missed their original performance targets. This, coupled with companies increasing executive and CEO payouts while furloughing employees, and seeking financial support from governments, resulted in a significant number of say-on-pay proposals facing notable investor opposition. Europe in particular faced some hefty shareholder dissent, as investors grappled with the impacts of COVID-19, as well as the Shareholder Rights Directive, meaning more companies gave investors the ability to vote on executive pay structures for the very first time. So you just mentioned human rights. That became a real priority focus for investors in response to the pandemic. Yeah, human rights and worker protections became a subject of increased scrutiny for investors as they sought to mitigate the risks of the pandemic. Companies which failed to pay adequate oversight of these issues and put workers at risk were subject to significant criticism from shareholders. This was especially evident in the food industry, where companies such as Tyson Foods, Wendy's and Sanderson Farms faced human rights proposals due to concerns regarding insufficient worker protections against COVID. And finally, Rebecca, another issue that gained quite a bit of prominence in this proxy season was diversity, both from a board and an employee perspective. What caused this renewed investor focus on diversity, equity and inclusion? The 2020 Black Lives Matter protests served as a wake-up call to many investors, especially in the US, that action needs to be taken to address issues of racial inequity. Shareholders were very proactive in addressing these concerns at portfolio companies this proxy season, and board diversity became one of the most prominent reasons why investors opposed director re-elections. BlackRock outlined in its voting spotlight report that a lack of board diversity was one of the most frequently cited reasons why it opposed director re-elections, second only to a lack of board independence. EEO1 surveys, which provide a breakdown of a company's workforce by race, ethnicity and gender, are something that investors have wanted disclosed to them for several years. And this year, proposals that sought this disclosure 
performed especially well, with five proposals of this kind winning majority support this proxy season, compared to just two in 2019 and four in 2020. Racial equity audits were also a new form of proposal that came about as a result of the heightened focus on diversity. These resolutions, first filed by SOC Investment Group and the Service Employees International Union, were primarily filed at US banks, but are already spreading and being filed at companies across all sectors and backgrounds, highlighting how more and more investors are finding this data material to their decision-making process. So now we'll hear from Kai and Derek. Welcome to you both. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for having me. So I'll start with you, Kai. What were the highlights for you of the 2021 proxy season from an activism perspective? I would think there are two proxy fights that really stand out and really symbolize the current dynamics in uh, corporate America. Number one, the most prolific proxy fight of the year was no doubt the proxy fight at ExxonMobil. And uh, there is no question that uh, the result of that proxy contest sent shockwaves through corporate America. Uh, It was also the first time that an activist successfully integrated an economic thesis with ESG topics, namely environmental criticism. That was really a feat that has not really been achieved in the past by uh, any activist. And quite frankly, a lot of activists didn't even try to go down this path because they were oftentimes not perceived as a credible messenger when it came to environmental and social change. But uh, engine number one in that campaign clearly managed to convince ISS Glass-Lewis and a significant if not overwhelming number of institutional investors, that this can be linked in the case of ExxonMobil. Another campaign was Box. And since we represented Box, we need to be uh, uh, limited to publicly available information as to what we say about it. But uh, in Box, the company actually prevailed in the proxy contest against Starboard Value. And Starboard, as everybody knows, is one of the if not the most prolific activist hedge funds out there. It was the first time that Starboard lost a proxy fight since 2012, so in almost over a decade, and uh, roughly 100 direct denominations. Starboard hadn't lost a proxy fight. And I think the fact that uh, Starboard lost at Box will give a lot of thought to activists as to how they structure their campaigns, what are suitable targets to go after and when it is better to just take the offering and declare moral victory as opposed to taking a campaign to the bitter end. Absolutely, Kai. I think those are those are clearly the two campaigns that stand out. And I think in addition to the you know trends you mentioned, um, you know, Exxon certainly was a, it's hard to say a microcosm for a company the size of, of Exxon, but it really was one example of a much, much greater trend towards environmental and social issues. But these issues are becoming more center stage in both proxy contests as well as more broadly within the voting community. And we will expect that these types of issues will certainly be raised more and more as we get into the coming years. 
The other insight, which is uh, really fairly recent, is you see the index funds and the proxy advisory firms representing a greater and greater proportion of a company's shareholder base. And they're very conscious of this. And so you saw you know, BlackRock most recently say that it was going to allow beneficial owners in its funds to cast votes. We saw a few years ago a Vanguard seeding votes for its actively managed funds to the active managers. So I think you're seeing some interesting trends with respect to shareholder-based concentration and composition and who actually holds the vote that will continue to evolve as we progress into the coming years. And Derek, ExxonMobil aside, is the tide turning against activists? Uh, Well, thank you for the question, Kieran. No, um, I don't think that it is. If you look at the proxy contest vote results, they were overwhelmingly in favor of the company this year. But that's really only a small piece of the puzzle. The vast majority of campaigns, in orders of magnitude more, hundreds of campaigns that start, very few actually get to the vote. So in order to think about or assess any general trends, you really have to think more broadly than just the vote results. And there were plenty of situations where activists obtained very strong settlements, enacted real change, both from an economic as well as a board and and governance perspective. So it certainly is the case that, you know, the investors and proxy advisory firms, frankly, were supporting companies very, very strongly. But I wouldn't draw into that you know, too much. If you look at why, you know, situations actually go to the vote, it's typically because you either have a disagreement between the company and the activist about what they think the vote outcomes will be, or some real binary issue where both sides have a disagreement and they're just willing to let the shareholders decide. So for instance, if the activist wants the CEO to be fired and the board after careful deliberation thinks that's not the right path for the company, well, that's a really difficult situation to settle. And in those situations, uh, it is pretty common for the both sides to let the shareholders decide. So I think if you, if you think about the situations that have actually fallen into those two buckets and have resulted in a vote, yes, definitely in this year, the companies have been better in I think, assessing vote outcomes and judging where shareholders will come out on these binary issues. But I wouldn't draw any broad statements about the shareholder activism environment tilting away from activists. And back to you, Kai. How have activists been using precatory proposals to further their aims? In the past, activists have rarely used these kind of proposals. It is a mechanism that is being used primarily by governance and social activists, environmental activists, but not so much by economic activists such as activist hedge funds. The reason why economic activists rarely use this mechanism is, number one, Rule 14 proposals don't allow to nominate directors. Number two, there's a minimum holding period that oftentimes activists don't need because they own this stock for less than one year pre-campaign. And three, while it is financially attractive to be included in the proxy materials of the company, it is also limiting because there's only a certain word count that an activist is allowed to have, and the company has the ability to rebut the activist's arguments in the proxy statement on the spot. Moreover, activists typically like to control the filing timing of a proxy material. So long way of saying that we don't expect to see Rule 14.8 proposals to be used by activists focused on economic outcomes all that often. 
Having said that, it is a very cost-efficient mechanism to use. So it is conceivable that activists, in particular in multi-year campaigns, where uh, they want to push only for a small measure of additional change as opposed to wholesale change, they may uh, lob in a proposal like that from time to time. But we still expect this to be the rare exception to the rule. And we often talk about red flags. So which red flags will activists be watching for in shareholder voting results? Activists have always looked at governance and board criteria uh, when they are critiquing companies. Those are the types of vote results that they will continue to follow. So low director votes, poor say on pay votes. These are issues that activists have long criticized. In some cases, the votes don't adequately represent an underlying concern for the leadership of the board or the size of the compensation. So you see a number of votes that come in against directors that are related to some policy that either ISS or some of the institutional investors have that really are a vote against the policy and not the individual directors. So there's certainly a risk in these types of situations that the activist overplays the import of these votes but they certainly will use these um, low votes as something to look out for and something to give a very, very preliminary assessment of whether the company is vulnerable. The place where I believe this is evolving goes back to what Kai said about ExxonMobil and the ESG movement, which is environmental proposals have gotten much more support uh, over the last year. So you've seen a number of shareholders change their positions on uh, voting for these proposals. And when those proposals you know, get 30, 40% a substantive minority, there is an indication that the shareholders would want the company to take some action to be responsive to the concerns underlying that posts. And as I, I think as you see more and more of the ESG either campaigns or ESG issues being integrated into other campaigns, you'll see these, you know, lack of responsiveness to these environmental proposals that have gotten uh, a substantial support as another issue that activists are looking at and then activists will raise in their critiques. And finally, what impact do you expect the SEC's proposal to extend say-on-pay voting disclosure to activists will have, if, of course, it is approved? So the proposal from the SEC is well beyond activists. It's really any hedge fund or any other manager that owns $100 million of US uh, listed securities. So it goes well beyond activism. And if you look at the composition of shareholder bases, those folks that do not already report their votes, so other than the biggest institutional investors in most companies, don't really add up to a significant amount. So I don't think the disclosure of their votes is going to make a significant difference to the vote outcomes. Now, that being said, the transparency that's provided where hedge funds and activists will have to disclose their vote means that they'll have to be conscious of what it means. Both management and the company will see their votes, and a lot of hedge funds are reluctant to vote against management or the company if they know that this is being disclosed. On the flip side, some folks will want to send a message more broadly. So certainly activists might want to say that, again, if it's a multi-year campaign, like I mentioned with the precatory proposals, activists may want to send a message that they're on record having voted against compensation for three years in a row. So I think in the aggregate, it's not going to have a significant effect, but you will see some of this gamesmanship and some behaviors change around the edges because of this incremental disclosure. Well, thank you for joining me both, and you can read their contributions by downloading your free report now. 
As for this episode, we've reached the end. But remember, as well as downloading your free report, you can subscribe to our two magazines, Activist Insight Monthly and Proxy Monthly, by emailing subscriptions at insightia.com. And finally, as ever, I'll say that if you want something discussed on a future episode, please do email press at insightia.com. We really would love your ideas. And join the conversation as well by using the hashtag on Twitter, Activist Insight Podcast. That's all from me, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.